0: Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer this morning. Gracious Father, we're thankful for the great privilege that's ours to steal away from this old busy world that beckons after us. After our attention, after our affections, after our ambitions to steal away into. Look into your face and enjoy our great God and enjoy our brothers and sisters. Thank you for the sweet, sweet spirit in this place, for the privilege that's ours to praise and worship you, you're worthy. Thank you for your word. The entrance of your word brings light. It is in the keeping of your word that we're made free. And we bless you. Be glorified now so we lay it all at your feet as an offering. In Christ's strong name, amen. 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 Well, take your Bibles and be find the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 6. I'm reading from the old King James this morning in Acts chapter number 6. Thank you, Pastor Ryan. Thank you, Pastor Rod, for having me. It's been great already. Are y'all glad to be here? Are y'all out there? You need to notify your face now. Tell your face that you're happy some of y'all look like your driver's license picture (laughs) I'm excited because of my dear friend Rod and my dear friend Jalen Jalen was leading in worship in a camp that I was preaching at maybe four years ago I was impressed with that young man and still am and uh, then to know that he is working here just thrills my heart. Well, I want to introduce you to who I have with me, some dear, dear people. Over here is Shirley. This is my wife of 40 years. Right here, Shirley. I tell people that 40 years ago, we started with nothing, and we still got most of it. All <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> right next to her is our... Grand, our youngest granddaughter, that's Miss Caden, all right, and she is the oldest daughter of my son, and who's not here. My only uh, child is not here. Next to Shirley is my youngest daughter, Cameron, and she is in college. She's be finishing. She'll be a nurse here in just some months. This is our oldest daughter, Kanitha. This is our middle daughter, Gina, and my my son-in-law, Raymond. And then over at the end here is my niece, Vanessa, sort of a sister-cousin to my daughters, and her guy, Corey. And so make them feel welcome this morning, all right? Well, I'm glad you're here and allowed us to come and be with you this morning. I want to talk this morning about evangelism essentials. I'm going to use this passage out of the book of Acts in chapter number 8. We're going to begin at verse number 26. And while you're locating your place down there, what a blessing it is to be a part of something that is growing, organic, that God is doing. It is growing. The church is not an organization, it is an organism. And uh, certainly there is organization in the church because the church is a body, a body is organized. There's the stomach and the lungs and the kidneys and the, all of these organs. And so, this is a living thing. Nobody could beat this to fit and then paint it to match, you know. God's not a beat to fit, paint it to match kind of God. He loves variety. He loves the beauty of what I see standing here. Uh, I, 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 I said to Rod just a minute ago, make sure that you keep this nimbleness Make sure that you keep uh, this, uh, the business of just following the Lord, being a movement that just follows the Lord, wherever the Lord would lead. I pastor a church in Savannah where we are trying to bring it back from the brink. It was about to collapse. And what happens sometimes is we get old and brittle and we refuse to change and we refuse to take the turns that the Lord would have us take. And so it's beautiful. These are the good old days. And so enjoy what God is doing here in this great work. Here in Acts chapter number 26, it's a passage where Philip, the first Christian missionary, is sent out by God himself to encounter one man on a lone highway. Beginning at verse number 26, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, he read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, "...understandest thou what thou readest?" And he said, "...how can I except some man should guide me?" And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, "...he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away." and who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. Now, you might recall that that is Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. I want to talk on a most vital subject this morning in this church to every single person individually certainly to this church corporately and that is about the business of evangelism evangelism it's what what we've been called to that is the sharing of our faith the telling of the good news of jesus christ to other people let me just tell you that's that's not just a denominational thing that's not that's not simply just a church thing that is And must be always seen as being an individual, personal thing. That God has called each of us to the sharing of our faith. There are many other things you may do. Here's the one thing you must do as a believer. And that is share your faith with other people. There are people who need to hear about the Christ that we sing about. The Christ around whose name we all assemble this morning they must hear it and where are they going to hear it they're going to hear it from you you need to see yourself as an evangelist that is someone who is carrying the good news of Jesus Christ his death vicarious death his victorious resurrection his marvelous and majestic reign his advocacy for us at the right hand of the father that's good news It is our responsibility and great privilege to share that. If it is a responsibility, it is then therefore a great privilege rather than it is therefore a responsibility. And you need to be involved. It's not something you can just pass on to the preachers. It's not something just pass on to the evangelism team. This is something everybody is supposed to do. I'm an old Marine Corps drill instructor. I was for some time at Paris Island as a drill instructor. I spent nine years in the Marine Corps and I did many things in the Marine Corps. I built rockets and bombs and missiles and I taught other people how to do that. And as I said, I was a drill instructor. There are many things that I, I, I did as a Marine, but the one thing, any, Marine, any other Marines in here? All right, I'm the only one. That's all it takes, by the way. It don't take but one. Oh, don't even, don't even mention that, all right? <laughs> all right don't start nothing won't be nothing all right <laughs> but now let me just tell you this as a marine I, I, I did many things but the one thing that a marine understands that his basic military occupational specialty is that of a rifleman I don't care whether you are a pilot or a cook or a lawyer, whatever you might do inside of the Marine Corps, the basic job is that of being a rifleman. Almost like in the Navy, every sailor is a fireman at its core, right? Why must every Navy, every sailor be a fireman? Because when you're out on a ship, the nearest land is three and a half miles away, straight down. So when a a ship catches on fire, everybody has to know how to fight a fire in the military, everybody in the Marine Corps, everybody had to know how to fight. Can I tell you this? Every believer ought to be competent in sharing his faith with other people. And I want to talk about evangelism essentials. Very, very quickly, here's five things. I'm almost embarrassed at how simple this sermon is, all right? But I'm sort of a simpleton anyway. Don't think me to be ignorant. I do have a PhD. That means a plain high school diploma for some of y'all. But (laughs) But I'm almost, I'm almost embarrassed at how simple this is. But these are essentials in evangelism, and it's right here in this passage. And I just simply want to point them out to you. The first thing that you must have as an essential is that you must have a servant. Look at verse number 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, there he is, saying, arise and go toward the south into the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. You must have a servant. Now, let me just tell you this. Philip, as I said already, was the first Christian missionary. Now, I love Philip because Philip was, number one, an available person. In Acts chapter number six, when they were looking for help in the ministry, the apostles needed help in the ministration, in the ministry of feeding the widows and things, they picked out seven men. Philip was one of those men. He was available. I think our first deacons came from that group of seven men who were chosen, and Philip was one of them. Stephen was one of them. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. Philip was the great first Christian missionary. Now watch, here Philip is available. He had been in, uh, in Antioch. He had gone from the dispersion. The Bible says that when Stephen was stoned to death, there was a great persecution arose around the church in Jerusalem. And the saints left that place. They were scattered. Now, can I tell you that the church gathered is beautiful, but the church scattered is more beautiful because the Bible says they went everywhere, Preaching the gospel, not like I'm up here with a pulpit and on a platform, but they went everywhere talking about Jesus. That was the design. It was a divine design that God would cause them to leave Jerusalem. And Philip was one of those guys who was available. And when he left Jerusalem, he went as far as Antioch and preaching the gospel over there. People were getting saved left and right now because that's the power of the gospel. There is power in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. that's how you were saved. That's how I was saved. That's power. And so here's an available man. Here was an adaptable man. Now, here's what I mean. He could go from Jewish people. Uh, and I said Antioch. He didn't go to Antioch. He went to Samaria. Then he could go to Samarians, uh, Samaritans. Samaritans. And now we find out he can go from a great crowd over in Samaria, uh, uh, Samaria where many people were being saved. Now he could go to deal with one man. My point is he was available and he was adaptable. God could use him in a varied group of people. And I'm just telling you one of the essentials of evangelism is to be available and another is to be adaptable. God has to have service. How can people How can people believe in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? And this is what Philip was. And this is what God is calling you and I to be. On your job. In your cubicle. Maybe at your desk. As you drive a truck. In your business. Wherever you are scattered when you leave this place today. You carry with you the gospel even as they carry the gospel, are you available? Are you willing to push past and talk to people who look differently than you about the gospel? Essential number one, God must have servants. Are you available? Are you adaptable? Number two, not only must you have a servant, all right, number two, you must have a sinner. Now, wait a minute. Don't panic. They're everywhere. Okay? I, I'm. Listen to what I'm telling you. You don't have to worry about where you might find sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a just man upon the whole earth that does good and sins not. None righteous. No, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So now where, where can you look and not see sinners? They're everywhere. And notice what the Bible says here in verses 27 through 28. The Bible says, and he arose and went. Now, notice this is an obedient servant. He arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for the worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot. He read Isaiah the prophet. Now, watch this about this man. I want you to see this man, an Ethiopian man. I want you to see he was a powerful man. The Bible says he was a man of great authority. You know what authority is? Authority is a, is a legitimate right to act on someone else's behalf. He was a governmental official, powerful man. He was a positioned man. The Bible says he was a treasurer. He was a great steward because he managed someone else's uh, goods. So we see that he was powerful. We see that he was positioned. We see that he had piety. The Bible said he had come from Jerusalem to worship. Now, let me explain about this man. He was an Ethiopian man, but he was a God-fearing Gentile. Now, what the God-fearers were, were Gentiles who believed in Jehovah God. And so, he was one who had become a Jew by faith. So, he would travel from Ethiopia, went to Jerusalem, that great capital of Judaism, and he went there to worship, went to the temple to worship. He's on his way back to Ethiopia. Uh, Notice this now. He had gone to worship. There was piety in his life. But while he was very powerful, while he was well positioned, while he had a level of piety, he also had a problem. Here's the problem he was still lost. Now, I want to use that word lost, and I want you to think about that word, because here's what I think sometimes, Pastor, if we're not careful, we'll have a great service, and we'll talk about Jesus, and I think somewhere in our souls and our spirit, we'll nod our heads and we'll say, you know, it's good. People need to know this Jesus, I know. People need to love this Jesus that I love. People need to experience this Jesus that I've experienced. But let me tell you something, people who don't are lost, and people who don't, die and go somewhere when they die do we believe this i mean is it is it is it too much to say that people who don't have christ die and go to hell that's what the bible teaches should that burden us now listen when you go to work tomorrow you see your boss he comes up in a fine car he's rich maybe hey but is he saved she may be well educated but does she know the Lord he may be well positioned they may come talking about what happened at that church yesterday they may have gone to worship that's not the issue the issue is is a person saved or are they lost And this man, though he had a lot going for him, the one thing he had going against him outweighed everything he had going for him. Listen to me. He was lost. Don't look at people and be so impressed with the car they drive if they're lost. You know what our problem is? I find out a lot of times we pity who we ought to envy and we envy who we ought to pity. You see someone, quote unquote, living the best life. Hey, hey, listen to what I'm telling you. Listen to what I'm telling you. Are they saved? Should this be on our hearts? It was on the heart of the Lord. The Lord looked up, saw this great multitude of people milling around uh, like sheep, having no shepherd, and he convulsed. He just bust out and started crying. The Apostle Paul, he was in Athens. He's very cultured people there. He's on Mars Hill. He said, I, he says, I've been in Athens a few days. I've been looking around at these very, very cultured people. Athens was the capital, the hub of Hellenistic thought. He saw all these people. He was stirred. His spirit was stirred in him when he thought about the lostness of people. They had all these shrines and all these monuments built up to a plethora of gods that they had and their ideas, and they had worshipped at their altar of their own brains and their minds and their philosophical thought. And Paul was burdened because people were lost. Let me ask you a question: Has it gripped your heart that maybe your friends and relatives and associates and neighbors are lost? Has it gripped your heart that maybe your brothers and sisters are lost? your aunts and your uncles and your co-workers are lost. They're everywhere. In this passage, we see you must have a servant. Philip was that. Are you? You must have sinners. Hey, they're everywhere. But I want you to see in verse number 29. Notice what it says. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself To this chariot. Now watch this. Number one, you got to have what? Talk back to me. Got to have what? A servant. servant. Number two, you got to have what? Okay. Number one, you got to have what? Servant. Number two, you got to have what? Servant. Number three, you got to have the spirit. Notice the Holy Spirit of God is in operation right here. Notice the Holy Spirit of God, the operation of the Holy Spirit of God. Here's what he is doing. He is working in both the heart of the servant and the sinner. Do you know that's what the Holy Spirit of God does? He works in both hearts. Here's a man who had had a religious experience and yet he has this aching, gnawing need for more because religion apart from Jesus Christ never can satisfy. It'll keep you out of jail, but it won't keep you out of hell. It'll dress you up, but it won't fix you up. And so how this man worshiped, Judaism was empty. He'd come back wanting to know what is all of this about? He hadn't encountered Christ, though he was very religious, and though he had gone to a worship service. And so, yes, there is something in his heart and he's trying to figure it out. The Holy Spirit of God is doing his work. How many of you know you can't save anybody? Right. I can't save anybody. It's not my job to mentally muscle or manipulate anybody into trusting Jesus. But the Holy Spirit of God will do his work. Amen. And he works in the heart of the sinner and he works in the heart of of the soul winner he works in the heart of the servant it is the Holy Spirit of God who is speaking to Philip telling him where to go and exactly what to do and where to look it is the Spirit of God who you say hey preacher am I to be concerned about everybody in the world well I think the world and the losses of the world ought to be on our hearts but I'm going to tell you who you ought to be concerned about the people the Spirit of God lays upon your heart I pray God this morning that the spirit of God will lay some precious soul upon your heart this morning. He still speaks. And let me just tell you something about the spirit of God. The spirit of God is the voice of God in you. Listen to what I'm telling you. And don't think me to be spooky. I preach to people every Sunday who know the word of God, but they don't know the voice of God. Now, I'm not telling you that the voice of God speaks differently from the Word of God because he only speaks the Word of God. But what I'm telling you is the Spirit of God is that voice. He speaks in our lives about right here, right now. Go here. Don't go there. Say this. And he is doing that in the life of Philip. He is already working in the life of the eunuch. And I'm telling you, there are people on your job and people in your neighborhood and people you'll encounter. Already, the Spirit of God is beginning to work into their heart. And they're becoming more open to the gospel than they've ever been before. Can I tell you this? In just a short time I have left, I was one time preaching in Augusta. And uh, I had been there for a revival meeting. had been preaching there for two or three days. All of a sudden, at the altar one day, I was praying. And Spirit of God seemed to impress me that when I got back to Savannah, uh, uh, at Brunswick, actually, I was living in Brunswick at that time, I needed to see a man in Brunswick. He was an attorney, an important man that I needed to see him. His name was James Yancey. And I need to see him when I got back. I was concerned about that man's soul. I was concerned about the fact that, I mean, he was a good man. He was an important man. He had adopted two little boys that he had gotten out of a court case. That mom was on crack or something. And these little boys, and he adopted the boys, Ryan and Brian. The, these folk know who I'm talking about. Well, I, I, left, I left Augusta on a Friday after speaking at noon and i drove back to brunswick it's about a three hour drive two and a half three hour drive and it was a friday evening i got there at about 5 30 and i thought you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go by the courthouse and see if i could see mr yancey's car well it's friday you know if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead be around a workplace at knocking off time on friday the dead arises, I'm telling you. Well, I got there and there was nobody at the courthouse. He 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 happened to have been at that time the, the uh, public defender. And there's nobody at the courthouse. No cars in the parking lot except one. James Jansen's car. <laughs> so I thought, Why well, goodness, nobody's here? It's perfect time. Maybe he's up there somewhere. I walked down the long hallway, up those stairs. And I went to reach for the door, all the doors, like six doors going to the corner. They're all locked. Well, I was about to step down the steps, go back to my car. When a door behind me opened, it was a cleaning lady who had just run downstairs to get something. Just happened to be there at just the right time. And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, my name's Kenny Grant. I'm a local pastor. She said, I know who you are. I said, I I saw Mr. Yancey's car. Is, Is he here in the building? She says, he's upstairs on the third floor. You wanna come in? I thought, sure. I walked in up that marble staircase up to the third floor and I walked down the hall to his office and it's open about that much, the door is open about that much. I knocked on the door, he's A bunch of stuff on his desk and he's working, dressed up there. I, he looked up, I said, yes, my name's Kenny Grant, I'm a local pastor and I just wanna chat with you. I said, to, Somehow the Lord's put you on my heart. Put his pen down, and sat back in his chair. I said, Can I talk to you just a little bit? I sat down and I told him I noticed him around town. He had the two twin boys and he told me he wasn't married and he told me about that case. I thought, Well, to be quite frank, Mr. Uh, Yancey, yeah, God spoke to my heart and asked me if I'd come by and talk to you about the most important business in the world. And that is knowing that when you died, Heaven's your home, God's your father, and Christ's your savior. I said, are you 100% sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? He said, no. I said, would you mind if I took my pocket Bible and showed you what God said about how a person can know, not hope, think, guess, believe, feel, know that they're saved. He says, I like that. I took out my Bible, it's kinda like this. He's sitting at the table, at the desk, I took out my Bible, I'm sitting on this and I began to read the Bible and I said, well, look, here's what it says right here. I just went through a simple little old gospel p- presentation where the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one, you know, and, I, I, and I'm reading the Bible and I'm talking about the lostness of people and how people need to be saved. and How Jesus died for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, all those great verses of the gospel. And I'm looking down as I'm reading, I'm looking down and all of a sudden splat right there on my page of my Bible is big old tear I look back at that important man he's crying I didn't do this now I'm not mentally manipulated. he's smarter than I am I can't mentally manipulate him into anything I'm just telling you there's power in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and that old big man was crying there and I stepped back away from him and I, and I talked to him and he, his shoulders were shaking and it wasn't but a, just a little bit I, I led this man in prayer, and he trusted Christ. As I say, he's walking with the Lord today. Yeah. Walking with the Lord today. And now, now f- listen to what I'm telling you. I'm not. That's not self-aggrandizement. I'm not telling you I did anything except I was there when the Holy Spirit of God, in His operation and orchestration, brought two people together. A servant. And a sinner whose heart was already open. And whose heart he had already worked. And so you know what I was like? I was like a midwife. I just assisted in the birth. You can't birth anybody into the kingdom. The spirit of God must work in their heart. The spirit of God must do his work. The spirit of God has to quicken and cause uh, that that. You know, that understanding that I'm lost and that hell is real and that eternity is final. And that man trusted Christ and I've seen it happen over and over and over and over again. Had the wonderful privilege of seeing that. And I'm telling you, you can be a part of that. God is calling you to be a part of that. Not so you can walk around or maybe even stand on stage and boast or brag about it or even tell about it. But I'm telling you this, nothing or few things. In life as thrilling as that. Number one, you must have a servant. Number two, you must have a sinner. Number three, you must have the Spirit quickly. Number four, you must have the Scriptures. You must have the Scripture. You see that? You see this man is reading the Bible here. He's reading his copy. Maybe maybe when he was there in Jerusalem, he'd come across a copy of Isaiah. These things were not... Uh, You know, these, only rich people had these things. This man was a man of some wealth and power and somehow he had gotten a copy of Isaiah and as he's going back, he's reading. Now, what a passage to be reading, Isaiah 53. Lord, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed and he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. It's talking about Jesus. The whole passage is about Jesus Christ You want to talk to Jewish people about coming to Christ? Talk to them out of Isaiah 53. Now, they they say that that Isaiah 53 passage is about Israel itself, the Lord's servant. It's not about Israel uh, uh, Israel as a servant. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ who, uh, who, who the Bible says, God says, when I shall see the travail of his soul, I'll be satisfied. It's talking about Christ. And so he's reading and he's reading there in that portion of scripture, but he doesn't understand it. And when the Spirit of God told Philip to go and join himself, Philip ran in obedience and he comes along and he hears his guys. He's reading out loud. He doesn't have a clue what he's reading. And Philip asked him, do you know what you're reading? He says, how can I accept I have somebody to help me? An available servant. I mean, how can they believe in him in whom they've not uh, 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 trust in him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe except they Hear, and How shall they hear without a preacher? And so Philip climbs up here <laughs> and he just opens the scripture, that same scripture, and explains it to this guy. And the Spirit of God does his work. You see that? And he uses the Word of God. Let me tell you why the Word of God is so important. Because the Word of God reveals myself to me. You know, you need to be revealed to yourself. We read other books, but this book reads us. And there is no hiding when you read the Word of God. It'll show you who you are. Am I right about it? It's like holding up a mirror. And when it talks about a bad attitude, it's talking to me. When it's talking about what I shouldn't do, it's talking to me. When it's talking about what I should do, it's talking to me. The Word of God will always reveal yourself to you it reveals not only myself it reveals my sin it's no hiding from God now the Bible speaks of sin we have to talk about sin why must people repent because we're sinners not one sin over against another sin all sin but we must name them we must know them We must see them and people must claim them. You have to own your junk. One of the things that I find very, very painful today is that we have this you can't judge me mentality and nobody seems to think that their sin is sin and needs to be repented of. And I don't care what it is. You just name them. And I won't name them because I don't, folk don't mind you preaching about sin as long as you don't name them. But whatever it is, the word of God speaks to it. It's not one thing in your life. Whether it's a sin of commission or a sin of omission, we're all sinners in word and thought and in deed, in attitude and disposition. So it, it reveals myself to me. It reveals my sin to me. But moreover, it reveals my Savior to me. Which brings us to our fifth point. You've got to have a servant in evangelism, you've got to have a sinner, you've got to have the spirit, you've got to have the scripture, but lastly, listen, and most importantly, you've got to have a savior. And I love this because Philip took the scriptures and preached to him Jesus. You've got to have the savior. And I I can imagine as they rode along there in that chariot, and I I believe it was perhaps a caravan. This was a man of some authority and some means. He was not traveling by himself, though it was this one man that, that Philip was sent to deal with, an Ethiopian, there were other people there. And as they traveled along, he talked to them about Jesus, about the need for Jesus. It might be that I'm talking to somebody this morning Who in this place haven't come to grips with the reality of your need for Jesus May 3rd 1979 I was in my barracks room there and um, there's a knock came on my door and um, when I opened the door, it was a young sailor who happened to have been in firefighting school in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was there in Jacksonville, Florida. I opened up the door and there he was. And he began to talk to me about my never dying soul. And I shuffled around there. I, I, I couldn't answer him. I was, so he said, listen, if you'd like to know, I'd love to talk to you about who Christ is. And he was just simply stating the claims of Christ, who he was. I shuffled around. Well, anyway, he backed me in to come into coming to his room at twenty hundred. That's 8 o'clock for you civilians. And so at twenty hundred, I went down to his room. It's a young man. I don't know. I was only 18 at that time. Maybe he was 19, 20 years old. But I went down there because at that time I was an 18-year-old boy with a 15-year-old girl pregnant with my baby. That's her there. And when I went there, he sat me down and just opened up his Bible and began to talk to me and read and the Spirit of God opened my ears. I could hear it. He began to quote verses. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. He talked to me about my need for Jesus that night. The Spirit of God spoke to my heart. I put my knees on the floor next to the bed there. And I cried out to Jesus to save me. was yes, 18 years of age. Because he not only talked to me about my need for Jesus, he talked to me about the nearness of Jesus. You know, the Bible says the word is nigh thee. It's near, even in thy mouth. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. And so that night when I... Bow on my knee and I said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. I'm a sinner. Save me, Lord Jesus. I want to be saved and I want to follow you. I want my life. I knew my life needed to be changed. Here I am, an 18-year-old boy. I've got a baby being born. That she is over there. I didn't know how, what, I was a boy myself. I didn't know. But the Spirit of God did his work that night. And I I trusted Jesus as my savior and God changed the trajectory and the direction of my life. My wife knows this to be true. My children know this to be true. You're not looking at a perfect man, but God saved me 40 years ago. And I've got friends. They know some of my friends either dead from drugs, in jail for the rest of their lives, hooked on alcohol. call I'm not better than these guys that's my life that's who that's who I was that's where I was going and Jesus intercepted me one day that's the power of the gospel that's the power of sharing the gospel with others that night I'm closing that night when I, I got up from off my knees now listen I don't like to talk so much about the personal experience because I don't want everybody to think it has to be this way but man I felt as light as a feather a sense of guilt was gone the room was brighter than it was I'm sure it was before I close my eyes and I open up it's so bright and I felt this now the old boy who led me to Christ was a old oh, holiness and he shouted all over that room he he was like a bottle rocket he was praising the Lord I was saying I believe I'm saved but I don't believe I'm that saved. He was bouncing all around that place. But let me tell you what happened. I, I, got, up, I got up from there, and, and he showed me some verses of assurance, right? These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, not hope. No, not think. No, not just wish. No, not just feel. No. That you have eternal life know it know it did God make you a promise yes did you believe his promise yes you accept his promise yes did you make him any promises? no you don't get saved by making promises you get saved by taking promises and so I received the promises he made to me that night right didn't make him no promise Lord I'm gonna stop doing this stop doing that that." you can't cut no deal with God you just simply come with your pockets turned inside out nothing God I got nothing I come empty you come that way or you cannot come and so I thought, my first thought, I'm gonna go tell my mama. I'm an 18 year old Marine, but I still had to go tell my mama. I walked down the hall, down at the end of the hall, there was a payphone. For you folk under 30, that means a phone you're putting money in <laughs> that's hooked up to a wall. Well, I went down to this payphone and I called my mama, Collect. <laughs> That means, anyway, <laughs> you can't just throw around these phrases. Folks, <laughs> I called my mama, collect Cla- call from Kenny Grant. Would you take it? Yes. I said, mama. I said, tonight. Now, my mama wasn't a Christian at this time. I said, tonight, I asked Jesus to come into my heart to save me. I'm 18 years old. I said, I asked Jesus to come into my heart to save me, and he saved me, mama. Tonight, my mama didn't know what to think. You know, before I got off the phone, you know, my mama said, "Okay, uh, be careful." <laughs> Here I am, went off to the Marine Corps to go fight war She didn't tell me to be careful. I told her I got saved. She said, "Be careful." <laughs> she didn't know what to say. She, she. I just buried my mama three weeks ago. She didn't know the Lord. She loved the Lord, but, but let me just tell you this: after I hung up that phone. I picked it up and I called Shirley. She's a little 15 year old girl at home pregnant with my baby and I said, hey. I said, Jesus save me tonight. He's changed my life. I said, we're gonna get married and we're gonna raise our baby. Now that's the way a young Marine proposes. <laughs> we're getting married and don't give me no lip. I said we're going to raise our baby I said we're going to live together we're going to get married. we're going to do and, and that's what it's been now listen I, I, this is not what I'm telling you is that evangelism is where it's at I'm a life because somebody loved Jesus enough and loved me enough to share Jesus with me What about you? Amen. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. And our heads bowed and eyes closing. the team is coming back in place here. Let me just say before I turn it back over to the pastors here that every single person can be and should be actively involved with sharing the gospel. Now, please do not mistake me this morning for saying that you must see the results that I have seen. Results are not our business. Faithfulness is our business. We leave results to God. Let the gospel do its work. Let the spirit of God take the truth of who Jesus is and let him do his work but the question is are you willing to go are you willing to open your mouth as Philip opened his mouth and preached Jesus there are people who need to hear it father I pray that you would in what remains of this service do by your spirit only what you can do Lord, if there is a man or a woman or a young person in this place who never trusted Christ as Savior, that today would be that day. Today. They would not simply be satisfied with religion or power or position or prominence. They must see themselves in need of a Savior. Grant that it might be so today. And then, dear God, help us all to see that we have been enlisted to share the gospel. Help us to be faithful to that. It's a great, great privilege and awesome responsibility. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.